0: Welcome to season four, episode six of Two Guys, One Dice Cup. For our offerings on this episode, uh, they think it's all ogre. (coughs) That is a good indication that we're going to return uh, to talk about Blood Bowl. But as always, hopefully, I am joined by my co host, uh, Phil from Harash's Cairns.
1: Phil? I am am here, yes. Uh, Physically, emotionally, and. uh, Emotionally. (laughs) You're emotionally there for me. The whole lot.
0: I'm, I'm all emotionally in. There, emotionally there for the audience as well, hopefully. So that's yeah. that's a worthy sacrifice um, for yourself. But So we have, um, looking back on the books, and realized that uh, we haven't paid any attention to the ogres um, for our rookie coaches. So uh, I must say that we don't want to do you a disservice. We want to make sure that you've got a full... A plethora of Blood Bowl teams And knowledge that we can offer um, To you as rookie coaches So when we get to the, the third Section um, Of this recording We'll be talking about the Ogres and the ups and downs Of them uh, And I must say, sadly Phil I was, I was not super
1: enthusiastic About the Ogres <laughs> I'll be interested to see what you've got with The tournament build because uh, The um, The the league build should be pretty similar, I think. Yes. I don't really
0: know how we can mess up the league build, but I'm sure we'll discover that it's when we possible. get to the third section. That is possible. I mean it's possible. I've done, to crazy, I've done some crazy things over the years that we've been recording, so um and I, I did put my rosters together while I was sitting on the toilet. So hey ho. Nice. can see what happens. <laughs> but before before we delve into that, we are gonna talk um about what's on the painting table. Where we'll have our guessing game of how much cash we've dropped on the hobby or not, as sometimes is the case. And we'll do a deep dive into our gaming because it's, it's been busy. It's been a busy month.
1: Yep, it has, has indeed. Um, do you well, want to do the painting well, first or, or do you want me to Well, do... the, the,
0: it, my hobby side's been pretty weak actually this, this month. Um, I uh, had a big tournament, which we'll get to in the gaming side of things, Um, down at the Birmingham uh, UK Games Expo. I attended the Bolt Action Battle of Britain Grand Tournament. So I had a lot of painting to do um, immediately on the run-up until until that, um, which included four new tanks, uh, some objective markers, some infantry to finish off, and then I... I had to bite the bullet and do a display tray as well. Um, just as it was, uh, you know, a big, oh, look, it was a big forum, big audience and a, a you know, global event. So I thought I better pull my finger out and uh, do it justice. So I did the display tray as well. Went to the event. And so that was in the first, very first weekend of June. And then as soon as I got home, I was like, down tools. I don't know need to have a a bit of a de-stress from from extreme hobby. So the most I managed to do was I constructed about 30 British bolt-action infantry, which I intend on painting and selling. Uh, I've got a potential customer over in Texas. Um, I doubt he'll listen to our podcast. I don't know if he's into Blood Bowl or not, but I've sold him a few things already, and he's... um, not so much put in a request, but he's sort of hinted that he needs, you know, X amount of soldiers. And I said to him, like, look, mate, I'll be painting them anyway. So if you see them and you don't want them, no loss. If you see them and you want them, give me the money. And they're yours. Um, but but truly beyond that, I have barely lifted um a paintbrush. But I must say though that the the painting of the the army for the the GT at the UK Games Expo, it was a success. Every, all the effort I put in was a success. Um, cause I, I won the best painted army award, which was, um, which is always my goal, you know, to, to turn out something that was, that was worthwhile. And I was, um, got a lovely 30 euro gift certificate for, uh, ammo from ammo by Mike Jimenez. They're a, they're a company I use a lot. I love their products, you know, but I've, hey, Take him, took them part in their competitions before with their, you know, weathering box sets for my Soviets um, I'm, you know, in my hobby room here I can see I just like to refer to them as all their potions and quirky stuff um, and all their mad sponges and you know, special brushes so um, I will spend that happily next month because um, annoyingly website website's being rebuilt at the moment yeah, pain in the butt
1: Ah uh, well, uh that doesn't help. But yes, you'll 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 get there in time. Spend that
0: yeah. cash. But what about you, mate? Have you been more? You you must have been more successful than me at hobby this month.
1: Yeah, I, I've done a reasonable amount. I finished up those dark elves that I was uh, painting on commission, so they're done and back with their uh, happy owner. Um, um, he also got me to paint the four remaining uh, orcs. For his orc team that I painted earlier in the year as well. So that that was done and dusted. Um I finished I finally finished off the lizards that I painted uh, for the 2019 World Cup uh, in Dornburn. Um yeah. I kind of rush jobbed them uh, in um in that in the run-up to that um because I was playing them and painting them at the same time. Um, so I hadn't done the black rims of the bases and the final highlights. So I did I did that um, as I was going to be taking them to Dundee Doubles. Um, so I thought I'd better finish them off completely. Uh, and then I also made a start on um, the next commission that I I've got or the one that I'm currently working on, which is some Mandalorians for a friend of the the podcast Brian. Um, so that that's underway um i'd say i'm getting making some good headway on those uh, i've
0: pictures of those who who's the manufacturer what scale are they in
1: it's die hard miniatures uh, so they make quite a lot of stuff uh um like sci-fi and sort of fantasy bits and bobs uh, it's all metal and it's 28mm uh so i'd right. say i'd say they're i don't think no they're not really they're not heroic scale um i'd say they were probably quite small 28 mil but yeah uh, they're 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 nice they're nice minis um for the size um and they look they look good um something a little bit different to paint from blood bowl as well i guess yep
2: um
1: and then the only other things i've painted uh was i painted the um version of the Granite Bowl uh, miniature. Uh, that I've had commissioned for the attendees at Granite Bowl. Um, so it's a, a goblin coach. Um, I finished that off and painted that too. Um, and I also had a crack at uh, what I would claim is not a bolt action miniature, but could probably be used for bolt action, but the um, uh, like a little trooper for um, kind of... Um, sort of weird war stuff like Forbidden Sam and uh, Gloom Trench and stuff like that um okay so I've not finished that I, I just got kind of base coats and a wash on that um as I'm still trying to kind of decide what I'm going to do with it, uh, how, did but you yeah,
0: find I... it? how did you enjoy the you know the change in format sorry um... subject matter I should say
1: yeah it, it's actually nice to paint different things you know like uh even as a as sort of mild pla- palette cleansers between jobs you know um i don't mind it's, it's one of the things with commission painting like i don't mind anybody asking me to paint anything because like i'm getting paid for it uh but so far it's been mostly blood bowl stuff so it's nice to paint um non-blood bowl things between jobs but it's also yeah. nice to paint Blood, non-Blood Bowl things for the jobs as well so I've had a a wee bit of that um I'll have a wee bit of a run for that I think my next uh, commission's a 40k based one so uh that should be that should be fine as well to to give me a bit of breathing space between Blood Bowl teams How uh, yeah, 40K that, one? it's just um it's a character model uh, so it's a single model commission so um that that should be that should be quite fun to do as well um once I've uh, received it, um,
0: I think in between that's in the front though, and between paintbrushes and miniatures and stuff though, how um, how many dollars have escaped the wallet this month, Phil? <laughs> well, uh, Let, I guess. Can we discover? Yes. for um for those for those new listeners, um, myself and Phil are notorious in years gone by for spending far too much money on the hobby. And uh, we've developed this this little game we play each month when we try and guess how much money has escaped to the coffers uh, for hobby expenditure. We, we drop clues to each other in our different group chats and personal chats that we're in um, online, but we never actually say how much money has been spent so that when we get to this stage of the month, oh, it's a puzzle. Um, recently, though, Phil, and for those listeners who have listened in, on several occasions, we'll know that Phil's got an addiction for old hammer. and um, he's also got an addiction for new Games Workshop stuff. Which is a
1: risky business. Um I've got an addiction for anything, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so so I've kept a kind of a
0: decent eye on you this month, but I think you're sitting around hundred and thirty pounds.
3: Less. That's can, that's good Phil. That's good. But are you less like a hundred and hundred and ten pounds less?
1: I'm not. I'm not hundred and ten pounds less than hundred and thirty pounds. But I'm
3: less no, no.
0: than
1: ten pounds.
0: Okay, mate. Well, my third and final guess, as as I'm only allowed eighty seven pounds forty
3: five. It's not that far
1: uh, from that. Um, so I have paid
3: out. Do, 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 where are we? Where are we? um 67 pounds 50. that's a pretty reasonable month
0: can you describe what you um what is that just on one thing or did you manage multiple things for your your trouble
1: things multiple things for that um i picked up the fourth edition warhammer fantasy battle but um army books for orcs and goblins and high elves um so i managed to get both of them for reasonable prices um i purchased some uh miniatures from a company called old school miniatures uh who make um a variety of uh um as you would expect from the name uh miniatures that have got a bit more of a an old school vibe to them um, people who listen to the podcast regularly will know that I like uh, the sort of Realm of Chaos era Chaos Dwarves and uh, old school mini- old school miniatures have got a range of those um, of which they do a set of uh, boar centaurs so rather than bull centaurs, uh, boar centaurs that fit a little bit better with the um, um guys that push the tenderizer, the whirlwind and the juggernaut that I've got already. Um so I'll be using uh, those in sort of armor fantasy battle games um once I've painted them. So I got a set of them and some of the standard chaos Dwarves as well to see what they were like. And they scale really well. They're quite quite nice uh sculpt. Yeah, and they look they really looked it when I saw the pictures of them. So those those are uh I'll buy some more of those to fill out a unit. I think there's a command section as well, but uh like as you mentioned with uh Mig uh with their website being down, old school miniatures have taken their website down <laughs> over the summer oh. as well. So uh so Jamie, the guy who runs it, can take a, a holiday. Plus I think they've got a few um bits and bobs going on behind the scenes. Um so um Uh, I think the website will be back up in late August so I'll have to wait wait till then to spend uh, my ill-gotten gains uh, on uh, some more Boar Centaurs and then the final thing the coup de grace, the pièce de
3: résistance I only gone and bought a bolt action uh, rulebook Al's in stunned
1: silence uh, not, not so you understand to play the fucking game. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I, 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 mean, I, I don't want to get into this uh, as, it's, as it's a very, very murky subject. But I don't, I don't really like uh, the the playing of uh, like real life war related stuff, uh, especially things that are uh, as close proximity to now. Um, I just find it a bit weird. But at the same time no shade to anybody else who wants to do it you know i don't, i'm not here to uh yuck anybody's yum i think is what the, <laughs> how, it's, how the kids say it uh but yeah i'm not uh i'm not adverse to reading rule books though it'll help me understand yep. what you're gibbering about when you're talking about bolt action anyway but also um something i'm looking at in the future is uh developing a rule set for a skirmish game so i'm looking at looking for source material so there's a few things i like from the bolt action rules um that um that i would like to adapt or vape into something that would work better with my the concept that i have as well
0: on on Uh, that i know slightly off topic because we're talking about what we've bought but there is a skirmish style game world war 2 base called 0200 hours or 0200 hours mm -hmm. um and it uses it's it's it uses a lot of 28mm like miniatures, and scenery. And it was very much targeted at us, or as gamers, as the sort of core audience. Um, and that's going to be worth a look as well. Um, not as easy to come by, because it's just quite new out. Uh, you know, So there's no secondhand copies of rule books floating around. The, yeah. the boxes themselves are still quite expensive for what they are, um, but the quality is good. The rules are good, um, so just something that's probably worth thinking about as well for yourself,
2: mate.
1: Yeah, I, I think I, when looking at these sorts of things, I'm I'm drawing from quite a wide net um, in terms of the types of games that I'm looking at. And, um, so I mean, I I love like the the tables, the D D one hundred tables and Realm of Chaos in the books uh, that came out back in the the sort of eighties nineties. Yep. Uh, but, I, but i also like uh, tabletop rpgs and uh stuff like that as well um so th- there's quite a, a a wide spectrum that i'm looking at um rule, rule set wise um including stuff like more time and um inquisitor and stuff like that as well because there's some elements of both of those games that are amazing uh in terms of uh uh, the way they drive the game forward, uh, but the yeah. uh, obviously all of these things have their uh, pitfalls and balance issues and stuff like that as well. Uh, not that every game has to be balanced, you know. Like um, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but yeah, I right, so I picked it up. I've leafed through the book. Um, I'm more looking at the game mechanics than I am reading about the units and stuff like that. But yeah, seems like a well written rule set. It
0: is is I'll, um, I might say some more about bolt action sort of later on about the rules set and where we're at with it, um you know, after having been to such a big event and you know a big exposure to the game, I um, got a few things I might need to say, maybe not in this podcast, maybe on other podcasts that, I've, that I'm guessing on in the next well in the, in the past month and coming month. um yeah, oh, it's also good though.
3: So how about your
1: so, money side of things?
0: I need to ask you something before you get involved. Oh, right. We've got a we've got a ruling on Kickstarters. Uh, when does your Kickstarter count?
1: Is it when the
0: uh,
3: money, money leaves
1: the credit account. account? Okay. Right. Yeah. Because okay. uh, it, it might not fund, so... Um... In which case you haven't spent any money, so
0: right. Well, I I already know that the I have. I, sorry, I should. I have backed the Kickstarter. It will
1: fund, but the money will not leave my account this month. Yeah, let's not count that one then. Okay, so this doesn't count. Okay, but I will count next month.
3: <laughs> Exciting. Okay.
1: So I reckon
3: you have spent. Uh, 76 pounds. No, I am
0: quite considerably lower than that today. Oh, right,
1: okay, nice.
0: Um,
3: 28 pounds. I will give you that on your second guess, yes. Nice,
0: cool. Now,
1: what'd what you buy? What'd
0: you buy? Well, I was at the UK Games Expo and I managed to survive to survive it um, purely because I was involved in a tournament and the timelines were really tight. So I only had 20 minutes to run about the entire UK Games Expo to see anything. And I'm really, really glad. It's like leaping through a hardcore drugs catalogue of just, you know, I was catching that I should stop and stop and buy, but... um, I stopped by one stall called uh, from a company called the Dice Miners, and I bought a bag of dice, a bag of d sixes because they looked they looked really cool. Couldn't stop myself, um, and I had to buy something at the UK Games Expo. It would just be unnatural to to not do it. I was wasting some time in Stirling, which is uh, not my hometown, or you know, it's the larger town that's closer to me to where I live. Um, I was actually waiting for uh, Common Ground Games to open up. Just I had to speak to the owner about a few sort of different things for the the Megatron 3000 and Megaball, um, Blood Bowl Tournament that I've got coming up. And I stopped into a, a Segplan bookshop or a sort of charity shop and I found a copy of Fighting Fantasy Starship Travelers or nice. Starship Traveler. And it was in my hands before I even realized I'd seen it. Um, and when I picked it up and I leafed through it, I realized that it was a, a, it was a fighting fantasy book that I'd never owned. Because as I leafed through it, um, yeah, exactly. Uh, I realized that there was crew for your, your spaceship. And I saw the, um, you know, you've got a science team, engineering team, medical officer, security officer, security guards and stuff like that. So uh, I've never actually played through it. And if, you know, if there's new listeners that are joining our, our broadcasts, um, myself and Phil did a couple of episodes based upon the Steve Jackson, Ian Livingston fighting fantasy novels recently. So I'd highly recommend you go back and listen to them um, to to get a flavor of, of what what we're all about. Uh, but on top of that, though, there was just a few minor hobby resupplies. Uh, you know, I needed a, a couple of new sort of tubs of pigments. Um, I was going through quite a lot of uh, a sort of Martian crust stuff with my bolt action army. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't a terribly you know exciting. I needed a new super glue. So you know, it's all hobby expenditure, um, but not. Nothing exciting, nothing to write home about sadly
3: Yeah Well it sounds like you got
1: some stuff you needed at least anyway so, or add, It is, some, it is. Like, As an added bonus
0: Yes, but I've, I've dropped lots of clues that next month next month will be a bumper month for cash money
1: Yeah <laughs> See Kickstarters have got the opportunity to go one of two ways One, you spend a, a modest amount Two, you get caught yeah. up in the whole fucking thing in terms of uh, getting Ultra Pledge 71 billion uh, all yeah. pictures a load of shit you're never going to need um, and I'm guessing you've probably fallen down that rabbit hole
0: I will just say that it's a board game Kickstarter uh, and the company involved is Galeforce 9 let's not say anything more um but Gale Force Nine are a credible, credible
3: company in the marketplace um, for what they produce. So uh, I'm excited. Yeah, excited. That's
1: pretty... Well, we'll hear about that next month then. Um, yeah. So g- gaming wise, gaming wise, Whoa.
0: busy, busy. Who wants you... to go first?
1: Well, I, I, have done. I think I've probably done less than you. Okay. Well, I don't know. Actually, I've maybe done more than you in terms of been. I've I've got more casual gaming around what I've done, but you've got a bigger yep. event. So uh,
0: let's, I mean, let's, do, let's do me first because I think even yeah. though I've got a bigger event, I might not talk as long. Okay. Um, but but to start off, I have punched in a couple of my um, snail cup, fumble, Bowl games in mm. the recent in the past month. Um, for the month of May and for the month of June, um, I'm playing Dwarves. And I. Oh, did I talk about the game when I was up against Chaos Dwarfs last month? I don't think I did.
1: don't think you did, no.
0: No, I was playing a guy, a uh, gentleman called Thomas, and I know him, he um, hails from Germany. Oh, he's yeah. a friend. He's a friend of Scottish Blood Bowl, and I've you know been around him a number of times. Um, at different international events, great guy, love his company. And um, oh, my dwarfs went to town on his chaos dwarfs. Killed one of his bull centaurs. Uh, there were some other injuries that were getting picked up. It was quite a,
3: quite a nasty, quite turned out like quite a vicious game. And um, I was still stuck with this inability to score,
0: uh, and I also prevented him from scoring. So it was just another, you know, classic dwarf nil nil draw. Um, which was a bit disappointing, but it was it was only in hindsight that I felt because it was the first time in a long time that, because I was playing online I never had that connection with my opponent and um, we weren't on we didn't do any any audio together um, and, and I wish it had with Thomas just knowing that he's you know, a man that I would consider a friend and have been around a lot and um if he listens to this podcast, I, I'm I'm sorry, we never got the chance to talk. Uh, and I'm also sorry that was such a, a brutal a brutal game between our teams. Um,
1: you probably have haven't a person, person to... since uh Eurobowl in twenty eighteen or nineteen or whenever it was. The, yeah the or was at the World, World Cup maybe even um, well, yeah, I can't I can't remember whether he was at the World Cup or not.
0: I'd like to think he was, but
2: maybe he uh, was.
0: But that but that was that game. Um next game I played was against uh, another another old Blood Bowl friend, um, Phil Truscott. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had vampires. And myself and Phil, we go way back. He he was on my, my uh European team in Portugal, what was that, 2017, 2018? thousand eighteen? Two thousand seventeen. Seventeen, um, yeah when we were riding high. So we've we've been, you know, battle brothers in the trenches together, played lots of Blood Bowl around each other. And uh, it was another sort of brutal, nasty game. Um, you know, I I killed a vamp who regened, you know, thankfully for, for Phil. Um, but then I, I did this crazy, I did this crazy bunch of maneuvers to get a sideline push on another vamp, who then died. And I, I was um, actually taking quite a risk by focusing my attention there because I left his ball carrier, I tied his ball carrier. Um, but my focus was to remove another vampire from play. So I think at that point, if I, if I got him off the pitch, he would have been three vampires down with the potential of, you know, just the one coming back from the regen reserve. Um, but what actually transpired was that and it was this pure quirk of I had a dropout and fumble. So I had to log out of the game and log back in. When I logged back in, it dropped out some of his um, player notes where he'd marked up skills on me. Yes, And so he, he started a blitz on a dwarf, which he needed to do to, to score with this guy. Um, but my dwarf had fend. So he didn't get a chance to follow up, and that then meant he never had enough movement, including um go for it to to make the touchdown um so it was just a quirk of the i t you know if he he would have he would have seen his notes um but he didn't so it was a bit of a bummer um but there was there was plenty death and battering um but again, it was another nil nil draw I just could not. Could not get the dwarves to um, to gather it all together uh, to make it happen. But I tried out the um, oh, star player, 50 grand. What's her name? Pie whistle? Cindy. Yeah. Um, I got her going. She she threw a couple of good bombs, but I used her special ability to throw two bombs in the one turn. Yeah. Um, and I targeted, I targeted one of these vampires that was on the floor just winged two bombs at him, and they both hit. They were both accurate, um, but sadly, never, never penetrated armour, which is a bit gun.
2: Yeah, so
0: I thought that was a bit cheeky. Um, but again, you know, for fifty thousand, you know, gold pieces or whatever you like to to call your denominations, uh, she's cost-effective bomber still.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely a good uh, good way to spend fifty k.
0: Yeah, you know, either that or that you know, a Bloodweiser keg I'd take the player any day
1: Yeah, I think um, I think I would in, the, in that instance as well yeah. But moving on from that
0: I've alluded to the, the Bolt Action Grand Tournament uh, dubbed the Battle of Britain that was held yep. at the UK Games Expo in Birmingham um, first weekend in June mm-hmm. and it was run by a team that from Leicester uh, they have their own podcast called the Juggernaut podcast and mm-hmm. the whole premise of their, their bolt action podcast is competitive bolt action play so this event was advertised um, I think it was back in October of 2022 um, they got the player pack out really sharp uh, and sort of planted their flag and said mm-hmm. we're going to be here we're going to run this this competitive event and Within a week of reading the pack, I contacted the team there and I sent them the list that I was thinking about. And then, and it was during this process where I had read the player pack and I decided that I'm going to go here and my goal is to win. Mm-hmm. And I knew from reading the pack what army I wanted to take, the format of it. Um, I ran it past the TOs to make sure that because it was pretty edgy. it was, it was pushing, the of, of the well, no, pushing the boundaries of the rules. Well, no, not pushing the boundaries of the rules, it's pushing the boundaries of good taste. But okay. it was a competitive event, and uh, they read it over, and it's like, yep, that's, yeah, that's what you want to bring. That's it's legal, and you go for it. Uh, I only made a handful of changes to it on the run-up, um, based upon some of the war game that I was doing around um, sort of February. February and March, I was experimenting with a few different units, uh, you know, at the doubles tournament and at the, there was an event up in Aberdeen where I sort of took a, a friendly army to help the tournament organizers out, but I was using it as a test bed to experiment with a yeah. few different unit, co- uh, not unit combinations, but combination of, of, of rules that I'd never, I'd never tried to interact before. Uh, and, it, and it only made one change and that was um, I changed an armored car out for a tank called a Crusader a uh, anti-aircraft mark II uh, and it comes with a pair of twin light all cannons yeah. And I just as an addition to the other four tanks that I took <laughs> which was really crazy Thank But nice. we've spoken in the past we've spoken in the past about mindset and reading a player pack and understanding what it is you want. To get from a tournament when you go and because i approached this as a fully competitive event and my goal was to win not not do my best or not go and have fun or be with the boys or have a good weekend away or go for th-
3: i set myself i want to go and win so i read the player pack cover to cover uh, studied
0: my army book, read my army list, understood all its rules, I never ever got to practice with the army. But there's always a stage where you've played enough games of a, you know, whatever game system is, you know what you're doing. So one of the friends I've mentioned in the past, Bo Mortensen, he was given all the army lists before the event um, and himself and some of his co-hosts reviewed all the lists given their opinions where they felt the lists were weak or tactically strong and i made sure that i uh, i watched those videos maybe half a dozen times to hear their opinions of them and that then also gave me the opportunity to see the printed lists themselves and i think there were 28 players and so obviously my list is one of them so i read 27 different army lists and I looked at each one and put myself in the in the in the shoes of the player. If this was my list, mm-hmm. what would I be doing to to try and win with it? How would I make this win? How would I make it work? What are my strong units? What are my tactics? And then how to beat that? And some of the lists were quite weak, so you you know you, I'd maybe spend only five minutes just getting a rough understanding of them. But there were others that were that were required, you know, to do a lot more thought. And I've already spoken a lot now on their recording and I haven't even spoken about the games, just the, the volume of prep that I put into this event was the most I have ever done for any event. I had on top of that all the painting, display tray, which everybody in the, our podcast know that I hate doing, but I did it to, to make sure I got the most out of my weekend. Uh, and, and, and it truly works. Um you know, the, the first game, uh, I actually got challenged by a player. He um, sent me a private message. I had no idea who he was, but he said that he's a player who is just trying to become a better player, a more competitive player, and he recognized that I was one of the better players that was going to be there, and he said, you know, um, if you want to be the best, you've got to face the best. And he's like, so how about it? And I was about, Ah, flattered. Um, a guy called Simon was really flattered by it. So I said to him, I was like, look, if the organizers allow it, then yeah, let's let's do it. So Simon was in my first game. Um, he had a Soviet Union army. And I think for the first three turns, he, he held his own. Um, but then I think just weight of numbers, weight of you know, dice, I was rolling at him. Eventually, uh, he collapsed. And I got a major victory. The second game... I faced a player, a guy called Sean, who was running a Romanian list. Okay. Sean, lovely guy, uh, from a club called the Pegasus Warlords, somewhere, I think, in Wales. Um, Two issues for Sean came up. One was that I play Romania a lot, so I know the Romanian army inside and out, and I know what it's good at and where, where its weaknesses are. Uh, the other big one for Sean though is his dice just shit the bed Um, you know he was rolling high for leadership checks which failed and then he was rolling low for shooting and damage which is just not good so um, you know Sean didn't have the best day at the office there in round two round three was a a Scottish player called Johnny Ferg Uh, myself and Johnny have crossed swords many many times usually around the top tables. Uh, he's a good good Scottish player. But Johnny suffers from, I will say, men, lack of mental fortitude at key moments. Um, he gets inside his own head and can shit the bed sometimes. Uh, and Johnny had a few of those moments where he lost track of his own units and what they were doing. Um, and he fell for quite a few of the tricks and traps that I laid out for him. Um, and he, he became quite impatient a few times, and, and that was round three, and he knew we were at the top table at that point okay. for that, that, that stage of the tournament. So, um, so after day one, I was on three major victories. Uh, round four, uh, I was up against a guy called Gary Morgan with a U.S. Marine list. And uh, Gary, old-time gamer, knows his, knows his trade, but mm-hmm. um, I think... He displayed too much caution, and I, I defeated him through too much patience. If that makes sense, um, you know we were he would he set up an ambush, thinking I was going to come round the corner to, to launch an attack. Um, but I just sat back and set an ambush as well, and we we had a standoff. But what my standoff created was that I had two units on ambush, and it stopped five of his units coming around the corner. And if he's got five of his units tied up, then I've got more of my army that's affecting less of his army, um, yeah. and that that's how that that's how that victory came about. I have to interject though. So round four, that was again, that was the top table at that point in the tournament. We had one of our fans, one of our listeners, came to visit, and awesome. I took a selfie with him, but I never got his name because. We were we were so time poor uh, during the rounds that I, I couldn't give him any any great amount of attention other than to say hello, thanks for listening. Um, he was super complimentary. I have got the selfie and we will post that
3: on our our Facebook page. Um, but I'm really sorry I forgot your name.
1: I think it was a guy called Mark. Although I'm right. not a hundred percent sure. Um because a guy a guy called Mark uh, got in touch with me before because uh, 'cause he'd obviously been listening to our uh fighting Fight and Fantasy um podcast yeah. and uh heard that you were going to the UK Games Expo and he said he was going as well playing God tier or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I think I think it was him. But yeah.
0: I really want to thank you, listener for coming to visit me and, and apologize for not being able to give you more time. But at that point it was like a mission critical moment for my tournament. Um, and I didn't, I couldn't afford to, to sort of divert my, my, my mental faculties away from the game. Um, but as I said, my, my patience out, outlasted Gary. Um, so from those four games, I got what were classified as four major victories. Yep. And going into the top table, which was the top table for the event um I had done the maths, and my opponent uh, would have to to claim a major victory over me and wipe me out completely um so that that would mean we would have been tied on tournament points and by destroying units and a few other bonuses those that was the first tiebreaker um and that might have given him. That might have given him the win. Now I have to say that doesn't. That didn't me. Didn't let me think I could. You know, just take the piss on the top table. But the guy called Richard, who I
3: encountered. Now, I have only encountered a, as I've only encountered a great player with a great
0: personality a handful of times in my entire life. And myself and Richard just clicked straight away. We were reading from the same page, um, even down to the point where in the deployment phase, he he put a unit down, and then I just reached down out of sight to pick up a unit, and he said, um, oh, mate, you're, you're going for your medium machine gun team, aren't you? I'm like, yep, I am, because that's the counter to what you've just done. He's like, yeah, that's what I would do too. And we just had this great backwards and forwards flow of talking tactics and i think as well maybe because he knew that it was such an uphill struggle for him to win that he might have just thought why don't we try and learn from each other during this game because we've obviously been good players but at the top table of a grand tournament um and that's how it was it was a very open book sorry our, our tactics were very open to each other because there was no point trying to lay traps because we saw we could see all the traps you know i had combinations of ambushes and firing to make some of his stuff move so that i could shoot it with other stuff but he knew that as soon as i put one thing on ambush he's like oh you're doing that to trigger this this, that I'm like yes that's exactly what i'm going to try and do and i had the same back at him when he 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 um ran a unit of the best infantry in the game or Gurkha paratroopers for the British and he ran them into a building in the middle of the table and I'm like so you're hoping to get the first order dice out of a particular turn so that you can run them in and gut my centre the, the centre of my army was quite weak and he's just like yep 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 and you'll try and support it with that I'm like yeah, yeah. Yep. well that's why I've got this on ambush and this he's like yeah I know we're really edging each other and going into the last turn I was six victory points ahead Uh and then it was a then it was a quirk of the mission every turn we rolled the dice and there was a little table that gave you bonus points for destroying particular types of unit and he rolled whatever whoever rolled the dice it was um small weapon teams would give you a bonus would give you bonus points if they were destroyed this turn and i had two of them which were quite exposed and he had none so he scooped up bonus points and then he he ended up beating me by two points, which was the minimum amount to get uh a, a minor victory. Right. So so even though I lost on the top table, I still finished genuinely finished first by tournament points. And the TOs yeah. later on, either on a, a chat page or, or directly, they, they said to me, It's like, yeah, mate, we had to change the formulas on our Excel spreadsheet, because we've never had anybody get into um, triple figures for uh, the first tiebreaker before. So it was like, yeah, mate, thanks a lot for that. Um, because I, I, was really, I was really cooking the gas at the tournament. I, all my prep really worked. Um, so I finished first overall at the Battle of Britain Grand Tournament, and I won Best Painted at the same tournament. Okay. So I, I came away with some, some really cool prizes, really nice trophy and um from a really well run event and i am just monumentally happy that all the prep work that i've done and all the prep work i've spoken about it paid off it really paid off
1: yeah i think that's a testament to uh to knowing how to play the rule pack um yeah I, I think it's quite stark in games like bolt action um blood, blood bowl you can definitely do that to a degree um but um not not quite the same way i guess uh as uh as sort of like things like full action 40k etc yeah. uh, where you've got a bit more um a bit more to it than uh than there is in blood bowl where you can pinpoint your exact game style and how you're gonna come up like you said Analyze what you're likely to come up against and yep. and, uh, and counter it uh, with whatever you need to do. No, oh, well done, man. And it,
0: and it did. Um, round three, round four and round five, those lists I, I gave extra attention to because I knew they would be near the top end. Um, so I was prepared,
3: prepared a lot. And, and they, were, they were good lists run by really, really good players. Yeah, cool. Good stuff But I'm not alone in tournament play mate You have also been a busy boy
1: Yeah um, So I had um, I've had three games In the Aberdeen league Blood ball wise uh, And folk who've been listening uh, Will know that I had an absolute Shitter of a first sort of Half of the season Running humans where I lost Five games And drew one Uh, after having just half of my team die every game. Um, I've been replacing blitzers uh, every game for the first half of the season, uh, which is a a bit of a pest. Um, My fortunes have now reversed and we're back to uh, normal or semi-normalcy. And I have since, since then won... Uh, four games, five games, five games, and drawn two. So I've I've gone from a zero one five record to a a five three five record. Um, my last my last three games were two 0 wins, uh, two 0 over Skaven, um, two 0 over um, Imperial Nobility, and two 0 over Norse um and the teams started to, to develop now. Because so, that was that was the problem I was having as well. Everybody else's teams were developing, whereas uh like the players that you want to develop on a human team like your blitzers just were dying every every game. So uh anytime yeah. anybody got any points they were uh, shuffled of their mortal coil and uh it was reset the clock. Um so that that, that thankfully that's arrested now and uh even if I lose the remaining two games I've got this season, um I'm happy that I've managed to turn a team that was effectively broken beyond any use uh into something that's playable again. so but that's fine. and testament to playing through adversity, uh someone I always hammer home to folk, and it's hard. I know that uh as you gotta try and play through the adversity. It's it's character building. Yep. <laughs> Just, uh So so that <laughs> that's the that's the league stuff out of the way. Um uh, myself and Gordon, uh he's still not changed his fucking naf name. Him and Hipster God, haven't changed their naf names yet. Uh but uh he will always be known as Huntley Loon now, uh as far as yep. I'm concerned. Uh, uh so he him and I um were a team for Dundee Doubles. Um, which is held in Dundee, obviously. Um, Dundee in Scotland, just in case. Uh, yeah, Dundee in Scotland. Uh, the the original Dundee. Um, the <laughs> I don't I don't know if it's actually the original Dundee before some fucking Dundee rules lawyer comes out of the woodwork somewhere. Well, if it's do, Dundee in Scotland.
0: Re- if, if if it isn't the original Dundee, then get on our podcast page and tell us we're wrong. Yeah, actually, give us, some tell, feedback.
1: us tell us we're wrong. Uh, see if I care. Uh um, see if we care. Um so yeah, it's um uh it was it was a run by you mentioned it earlier on, Phil Truscott, um Bill 78 on NAF related stuff and Fumble. Yep. Um it was I think there was sixteen teams, maybe fifteen, sixteen teams. Um yep. and basically team uh, sort of team format, you play uh, another team, and it's then twist. I mean, it, it works. It's it's like a mini UKTC. Um, myself and Gordon took. Uh, I took lizards. Gordon took undead. Um, the rules pack was favourable towards uh, um a more competitive kind of slant rather than taking weird builds, which which is good. Uh, you need a bit of that from time to time. Um. Our first game up was against two local, uh, two locals um, who f- somewhat frustratingly aren't NAF uh, re- uh, registered. Um, what one slight bugbear I have about going to tournaments is if it's if it allows non-NAF members, I've paid for and I end up playing one of them. I've paid for one less NAF game uh, than I uh, than I've actually signed up for. Uh, but I, it's, I can't control that um i played i played a guy called jason um who was lovely really nice uh he was running chaos Dwarves. um i don't know how long he's been playing for um but um he made a pretty in my opinion a pretty tactical error uh a pretty big tactical error early on um by having by chucking his um, ball carrier fairly early uh, early up the pitch um, and leaving a easy two dice uh, blitz for me with a Taurus, uh, which meant I recovered the ball uh, on his drive, ran up the other end of the pitch, and scored. Uh, what was he using as a ball carrier, Hobgoblin? Hobgoblin, yeah. Uh he didn't have block yeah. on either of the bull centaurs either. I think he had I can't remember exactly. I can't remember what was in the other one, but he had sure hands sure hands on one, I think. Either way, um it yeah. didn't go well. Uh, the second half didn't go well for him either, and I won 2-0. Um his teammate uh suffered a little bit more uh, at the hands of Gordon. Uh Probably had the worst night's sleep he'd had in a long time uh, With both his kids up in, in the middle of the night being sick So he was awake from about 2 o'clock in the morning onwards um, But yeah, he he won that game 4-0 um, Which, uh, fair fair play to Gordon, he pulled that one out of the bag Wow Um. So, round one, two wins, absolutely fine Second round... Um, Gordon got drawn against um, Chris Miller, uh, who won the NAF Championships last last year, um, and they drew their game. I won my game 2-1. So, end of round two, we're sitting on uh, two round wins, uh, and as it transpires on the top table, uh, facing off against uh, other Aberdeen League members, which is Always good a good thing, you know, like we're almost always right up there. There's usually a somebody from Aberdeen top table. Um our opponents in the final round were um ex uh two guys one dice cup uh UKTC team members. So Gordon <laughs> Gordon was playing against uh McNugget, McNaughty sixty-nine, uh Marky whatever, yeah, whatever. uh taken at the moment um so he um he was playing against gordon and i was playing against uh strike uh whose real name's callum yep. um it didn't go so good for either myself or gordon uh i think like mark mark's a really good player uh so i think gordon's game just felt a bit um i think i think G- from what i could gather from sitting next to him, gordon was having a problem thing uh any of his players on the pitch, which for undead is not helpful um
3: Mark was running lizards, so it's a pretty difficult match up for both depending on uh, the dice are fun, how think he was crumbled and and that didn't help um
1: so he lost his game. my game so I think the main problem with the game that, uh, for me, was nothing I wanted to do worked. <laughs> nothing worked. I spent, uh, like, ages trying to pick up a ball. He got a blitz. Um, he was dodging into my cages on five up. Um time he needed a... He, I think he got a double uh, push on a um, two-dice uphill. I burned all my rerolls on double skulls. I think I had three sets of double skulls in uh, the first half. I rolled um, three go for it or sort of rushes, whatever you want to call them, all game and failed every single one of them. Um, it was just shit. Uh, like I think his, his dice went well when he needed them to go well. Um, yep. and my dice went badly when I needed them to be average. I think it's probably the the best the best way of describing that. Yeah. So it ended up being two 0 to him. Um, he played really well for the first seven turns or six turns or whatever it was uh, of his drive. Uh, if my dice had gone average, I would have been going into his into my drive. Uh, one one. With a good chance of getting a draw or or winning out of the game, they did not go well. Uh, so no. I didn't score, um, which was which was a shame. Uh, I always feel with Callum like he's beaten me twice, and we've played each other a few times uh, over the uh, the the last couple of years, both online and and in person. Although although this was the first competitive game that we would played in terms of like a a NAF recorded game. Um,
3: The two times he's beaten me have not been down to his skill level, which is a
1: shame because he's a good player and he should be able to beat me on skill. They've been 100% down to shitty dice or really good dice for him, which is the way these games go sometimes. I've no doubt that he is capable of beating me without that because he's a good player. Um, yeah, it's a it's a shame to not have that, and hopefully he will beat me <laughs> properly at some point in the future. Um, yeah.
0: No, I think I think that's fair. That's a very fair thing to say about any player. Um, yeah,
1: I, I, I mm-hmm. genuinely don't mean that in a disrespectful way at all.
0: No, no, it doesn't like, come over that way, mate.
1: I've I've played him uh, plenty of times, and I know he's capable of beating me, and, and as he will obviously know that I'm capable of beating him because. Good to get at that's probably what I'm I'm trying to get at there Where we're both actually pitting our wits against each other Through the entirety of the game Rather, yeah. uh, rather than it being decided so early on by wild luck, ducks Luck or unluck Yeah, yeah, totally um, I mean, not to take anything away from his uh, achievements Because he played three games, won three games and him and Mark ended up going on to win the tournament, which is brilliant, you know? Yep. You know, the two of them won it in a in deserved fashion. Uh, it was very tight at the top in the end. Um, it went down to the wire between um, that team and um, a co- uh, two guys from Edinburgh. Uh, and uh, after those two... Uh, so the Mark Mark and Callum finished first, and the other team finished second. There was five teams after that who were all on equal points, and it went down to the was fifth decider or the t, uh, tiebreaker uh, to get that in in order. So I didn't. I felt sorry for Phil Truscott but I worked that shit out because uh, yep. it was pretty. It was pretty heavy going. Uh, we ended up finishing in fifth w- uh, as a team which which i'm fine with i think i finished in 10th or something like that out of the 30 uh, which i'm mm-hmm. okay with as well going 201 um so yeah it was it was a, a nice nice tournament um a bit of a weird one in that it's uh like it's held at highlander games in, in dundee it's a it's an odd shot because it's it's split over three units um only one of what uh one set of which in fact it's four units, one one set of which is um is joined together so you actually have to come out of the building which meant it felt a little bit disjointed in terms of the experience because usually you're all in the same room or or what have you whereas we were all split over over different rooms. Uh but Phil made it work. Um uh, the venue were really good about it. They uh uh they kept everything going. So it was a great experience as far as the tournament goes. Well, well run, good. and uh, hats off to Phil for running a good tournament.
0: Yeah. Well, it good. Does. Sounds like you had a good, that's a it. good time, and you know, poor Gordon fighting through adversity and lack of sleep. That's never, never an enjoyable thing.
1: Yeah, I think he he perked up sort of midway through the morning, and then I think by the time he was playing Mark, he was just uh, like playing on empty as well, which didn't help his, his game much, but um, yeah, I think he, uh, he would
3: uh, he would say he was beaten fair and square by Mark on the day, uh, given the chance. So with all our gaming chat being said and done, it's time for us to migrate on
0: and have a quick uh, sorry, not even a quick chat, a good chat to our rookie coaches yes. and Introduce them to the world of ogres. Now, it feels like it's been a little while since we spoke to our rookie coaches, so to give them a quick reminder, um, myself and Phil create two rosters each, and we never speak to them, speak about them to each other until we present them um, to each other and to yourselves on our recordings. Uh, the first roster is a league roster um, for a thousand TV, and we we talk about the. The players and the positionals that we choose, what we hope to get out of the first sort of five games of our league, and how you know the, the ups and downs of, of this particular team in league play. The excuse me, the second roster that we create and um, we base upon whatever the current NAF Championship rules pack is. So at the moment we're running off the twenty twenty three rules pack. And Ogres are classified is it tier four? Or is tier three,
1: tier three. Yeah, they're tier three.
0: Tier three, and the the NAF Championship pack gives them one one five zero team value to create a team, and the uh, the ogres get access to zero to one star players, mm-hmm. and they are allowed to take five primary skills and two secondary skills, or they can convert those two secondary skills into two other primary skills. But it's seven skills in total. Yeah. Um that they're allowed to allocate and, and as I said myself and Phil we create our rosters independently of each other and we talk about them uh, in the open and you um, I think the thing we always enjoy is you get our natural reactions to each other's roster um, and then we talk through them so that the rookie coaches can get an understanding of how two experienced Blood Bowl players think uh, and how we, we go about roster creation and how we would play these rosters in the different formats that does some upfield, doesn't it? That's, that's what we do for our rookie coaches,
2: yeah?
1: Right. I think, it, I think it's my turn to go through the roster. So okay. um, I'll, I'll, I'll go through that.
3: Um, and uh, then we'll look at teams, the team compositions. Cool. So um,
1: you have access to 0-16 to Noblar linemen. They are 15k, uh, move 5, strength 1, agility 3+, plus, passing 5+,
3: um, armor value 5+, 6+, plus, plus. sorry, my, my fucking eyesight. Uh, six plus.
1: Yeah, uh, primary access is agility, secondary is general, and they come with uh, dodge, right stuff, sidestep, stunty, and titchy. Um, zero to one ogre runt punters. They're 145k. Move five, strength five, uh, agility four plus, passing four plus, uh, ten plus for eight armor value. They have bonehead, kick, teammate, mighty blow plus one, and thick skull. And they have access to passing and strength on primary, and agility and general on secondary. And then you have access to zero to five ogre blockers. Um, they come in at one hundred and forty k. Movement five, strength five, agility four plus, passing five plus, uh, av ten plus, bonehead mighty blow plus one, thick skull through a teammate. And then they have primary access as strength, and secondary is agility, general, and passing. Rerolls are 70k and they have the special rules uh Badlands Brawl, Low Cost Lineman, and Old World Classic. And what what old um what low cost Lineman means is um that the in league play um, the base cost of noblar linemen doesn't count towards your CTV when you're uh, working out inducements. Um, that's not applicable during tournaments. Only for League play. Um, So, yeah. Um, Al, what is your roster
3: for Leagues? League roster. So, I have gone with four Ogre Blockers. Okay. Then, and
0: then eight Noblar Linemen. Yep. And three Rerolls. Okay, and I've left some treasury
3: in the bank. How much money do you have left over? Sixty. Okay. Um, oh, and I have um, and I bought an apothecary as well. Oh, you got an apple. Okay. Yep. Started with the apple. Okay. Is it different? I, different
1: to you? I, I've gone slightly different, um, and I think probably a bit more risky. Um, for reasons that will be made clear uh as I go through it. So I went with five ogres. Yep. Six knoblars. Yep. And three
3: rerolls coming in at exactly T V Okay. Well what's your what's your reasoning behind Don't that? Um Bogers are expensive.
1: Uh, they're going to be doing a lot of the stuff. Um, I don't really care about the knobblers. i uh his uh, rookies at some point, which gives me the extra players. So um, I'm not that fussed about having loads of nobblers in the league. I think once I'd got the Runt Punter, I would probably buy a couple more. But you're going to be using them. They're going to die so quickly. Uh, you're going to have a team full of journeymen and ogres at some point anyway. So, I don't know. I, I, I kind of went down that route. I can, totally, I can totally go with what you went with, though. Uh, like in terms of dropping an ogre, um, taking a few more nobblers, and an apple as well yeah
0: I wanted to yeah, I wanted to have yeah, the apothecary on hand straight away um just to protect the
1: four ogres that i've got yeah and... I think I agree with that I think it would depend on what, if I knew roughly what the composition of the league would be like, I would probably be more inclined to go your um if it was heavy hitting because losing an ogre would be pretty shit early on yep Hard
0: to replace, um... but. Um, What I would be aiming for myself is to save up the money to um, add in the run punter to take Mm -hmm. me to five big guys. And then I think I would probably end up just capping out there. I don't think the money would be flowing in that easily to get the the fifth ogre blocker. Um, But of course, it would be desirable. I think you'd be be be
1: surprised uh, the money, because you're only going to be spending money on ogres until you get however many you need um i think even on if you had one dedicated fan you're going to be getting a minimum of 20k um and that's assuming your opponent has one dedicated fan and you both roll one or two Mm -hmm. on the the thing you're probably going to be getting sort of upwards of I reckon you'd be getting 30k uh, a game easy uh, which means yep. you're probably going to churn out money reasonably
3: quickly I mean that's only what five games until you can afford an ogre yeah and well I'm
1: starting with 60 in the bank so be yeah, what three so you- games you're even less you know like until you afford you can afford your next one so you'd be surprised like because you're like i say you're not going to be until you've got your ogre sorted and the number that you want you're not going to be spending any money on nobblers. because no. you're not you're not going to replace them um because a, a nobbler journeyman is just about as good as a nobler uh a normal nobler yeah the The only downside being is as, as you would probably kind of want to have a couple of them kicking kick around to maybe carry the ball, but I mean if if you can, you carry on an ogre.
3: Uh, they're still picking up on a fifty-fifty. You've got a reroll. They don't have loner, so you can spend rerolls when you want to. Assuming
1: you're not yep. bookheading all the time.
0: Um, assuming that. We um skill wise. Yeah. This is this is where I always get stuck mm-hmm. with a team like this. You know, we I can quickly talk about the Nobler linemen. Um if they somehow mystically manage to get any uh star player points,
3: it will be a random agility skill. Yes. Just just to see what happens. Um you know heaven forbid you, you
0: save up the gas uh, it would be uh, can you imagine seeing a Nobler with a secondary skill
1: i mean you've got you're assuming that it's not going to die uh, the next game um i i i would say if you you're going to get the odd Nobler that's going to get an mvp you'll get the odd yep. one that'll score a touchdown as well um
3: i think you're probably going to be playing um, yeah i mean you're going to be hoping most of your mvps and
1: casualties and stuff like go on the ogres for ca- uh, for progression anyway um so yeah i think i think i would agree randoming randoming um agility skills is the best
3: route um on that one yep. for sure but but then for the ogres themselves, you know with strength as the primary access mm-hmm. i'd be I'd be tempted by at least for at least two of my ogres to save up to get
0: the secondary to get blocked
1: yeah i've done the same yep yep
0: have two okay. of them save up to get blocked and then have the other two um Brawler is always a popular one, um, and then grab, I think, for me. Um, I like that skill. I like it when I saw it in the, the Black Orc team. Yeah. Really sort of grabbed my attention, that sort of brawler-grab combo to, to be able to manipulate where players are, um, especially if the Ogre manages to put a player on the deck, grab them. You know, get them into a better position where all the nobblers can just jump them and, and foul them off the board,
2: off the
3: pitch, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty much what the nobblers are there for. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on on a few things. Again, it would depend on the the, the
1: league I was playing. In. I'd kind of I'd gone down the same route as you and taken lock on two of the of the ogres uh, because I think you need a bit more reliability on blocking. Uh brawler is is up there as well. I think in mine where I've got five Ogres I'd be aiming to have the two of them with uh the two two of the other ones with Brawler and then select juggernaut because um it's uh it gives me a little bit of uh like pressure on uh players who've got block um in terms of moving them um to more advantageous places as well. I think i would go quite heavy on guard as second skills because once you start uh portioning that out it becomes more difficult to get um uh three dice on the nobblers. um so it it can be it can work a bit more in your favor keeping them a little bit less likely to explode
0: um Well, it also increases your chance of putting three dice blocks on your opponents as well.
1: Yes, yes, of course. And then I think I would possibly try and give strong arm to one as well uh, to make for better um, through a teammate uh, or a little bit easier through a teammate. But I'd, I think yeah, I think that would be further down the line for me and I'd be, playing, I'd be seeing how I was finding it without um, it before I made that decision. Yep the, the run punter when I got it would get leader as its first skill for an extra reroll of course um, and then maybe that's maybe,
0: that's maybe an over that's maybe an oversight for me I could have I could have taken three blockers and one run punter maybe and then I would have yeah. got that fourth skill
3: yeah I think in your in your build
1: yeah you would have got you get leader earlier um, yeah. In that in that sense, um yeah, it's a difficult it's a difficult one. They're not an easy to build for uh, because they're not the ogres are so expensive, but you end up spending a lot more of your cash. And if you want to trade on the inducements front, you're having to take less ogres. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting the um, although the cost value of the nobblers buy isn't reflected in your ctv um they're only 15k and like i've got six of them so what's that that's 90k it's not a massive amount of inducements against most teams it'll guarantee me riotous or a bribe which is probably i'd probably be going right as rookies to be honest yeah um but yeah you're not going to be running that many star players early in the league but you might uh, sort of halfway through the league onwards, if it's a longer league, um, yep. yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird um, one.
0: Um, I to, to sum up from a league play perspective for ogres, you would take them for the enjoyment. You, you were, you, you are going to be hard pushed to win your league, regardless of its format and how it's made up.
1: Yes, yeah, I think even the most competent ogre players will not be expecting to win a league um I say it's 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 an it's an unlikely thing it depends on who else you're playing and, and how how your games go but um there's so much that can go wrong with the team um I think like we we've, we've mentioned the the nobblers just pop when you hit them a lot of the time but same yeah. token you end up 've been I've played where the same as Snotlings you end up pushing them around the pitch uh, because they've got sidestep and uh, uh, dodge, um, mm-hmm. so you're, you're having to roll powers or half block to to get them down. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and and on the flip side of that, we of I know I've experienced games against ogres when you know I've watched you know four ogres uh, bonehead, all in the same turn. Yes, um, but then I've watched an entire half where not a single bonehead failure yeah. happened, and the ogres did everything my opponent wanted them to do, which was, you know, yeah. frustrating. Yeah. But um, it's when you've got those inbuilt traits and unreliabilities that can either you know peak or trough uh, beyond your control. It's that's that's where the the true failure for the ogres lies, and that you're, you can't rely on any consistency for them to win a league um but you can rely on them to give you some fun games
1: yeah yeah i think you would have some interesting games i mean i played not i've not played them in 2020 i played them for a season in 2016 and had a good laugh with them um and they were they were fun to play uh you've just got to have low expectations they are literally, although Goblins have got like the wrap the uh, of the lowest win rate at the moment um, in tournaments, um, Ogre's are the worst Blood Bowl team. They're shadow of a doubt. As far as I'm concerned.
3: Um, well, well, with that, we should probably move on to our um, tournament rosters, Phil. Yeah. Shall I, we'll shall I do it? Shall I do it the first this time? Please do. Okay, so I have gone for three ogres, one runt punter, nine nobblers, Griff, Briatus rookies for one one five zero. Okay. I have gone for four ogres, mm-hmm. and four ogres, nine Noblars, Griff
1: Oberwald,
0: two rerolls, one cheerleader, two assistant coaches.
1: I missed out a reroll on my one, sorry. Uh, I did take one reroll. Yep. And mine does come out as well at 1150.
2: Yeah.
0: So you've taken the extra reroll. And Yep. Uh, two re-rolls, some bench bench things, cheerleader,
3: two coaches.
1: But you didn't take right as rookies, so No. Okay.
3: No. What did you do so for
1: your skills?
0: Well, I've got four ogres, so um, I've got two secondary skills, so I've given them two of them block. Mm-hmm. I've given the other two ogres uh, brawler. Mm-hmm. And then it feels so insulting given Noblar's skills. Yeah. But I've given, I've, I've dished out two sneaky gets and one dive and tackle.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So I'm not completely different from you, uh, yep. other than uh, I've got, because I've got three ogres, uh, I went two with block and one with brawler. Um, yep. The front punter got leader. Yeah. To get you a, that re-roll. Yep. reroll, Um, and I've gone with two sneaky get and one dive and tackle. Brilliant. So how, how always, many players have you got in total? Fourteen. Okay. Because i
0: it always I mean, it always provides me a sense of relief, Phil, when we are on the same page. Just because I am known to go down the the path less trodden from
3: time to time with our teams. Well, we're not we're not wildly different, but. My I think I'm I'm happy trading off a a, and the 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 other bits and bobs for riotous
1: rookies because so worst case scenario on riotous rookies you get three extra players. That takes me to a minimum roster of 17 per game. Um best case scenario I'm gonna get seven extra players which takes me to 22
3: 20, 21 players um for the game um which is awful for your opponent <laughs> there's nothing worse
1: there is nothing worse than having uh an act ex- like you clear out uh five of them in a drive and the players still got like another cool team and a few extra players after that as well. And Griff. I've actually been yeah. the receiver end of that. It it was awful. Um I was <laughs> that, that that game I played against them, it was I'm pretty sure it was the same build, although I'm not hundred percent sure. Um but the game I played against them um uh, was one of the like one of the ones you mentioned where the my opponent didn't roll a single bonehead in the, on their drive. Um and uh just had Griff escorted by four ogres down the pitch
3: um for the uh the full first half. Um and it was
1: annoying and I killed a bunch of Snotlings and he still had a full team. And extra <laughs> pairs for the second half for my drive. Yep. And it finishes a draw. Um so yeah, I think I think if you can hit a sweet spot, I mean average you're probably gonna end up with like four, maybe five extra mm-hmm. knobblers most games. But even then that's uh, that's hitting you up above normal team roster amounts and it gives yeah, you boy. bodies. Which is kind of what you need when you've got a team that's a shit in terms yep. of exploding as that.
0: Well, ultimately, you know, we've got to talk tactics for our, for our teams. And the Noblars are pretty much a blade of armour for Griff.
3: Yes. Yep.
0: Griff is the ball carrier. Griff is the scorer. Griff is doing all the heavy lifting. Uh, the knoblars are going to be his screen to, to keep, him, keep him good. And the ogres are there to eliminate players. That's essentially it, yeah. yeah, isn't it?
1: If if your ogres are behaving, you use ogres as a screen, uh, but you have to be prepared to pop a cloud of snotlings around Griff. Um, yeah, I think um, like the ogres because you because it's you. Both of us have got a reroll light build. You're only getting two rerolls to. To get griff in there um you're gonna have to be very very selective don't re-roll your boneheads and that's mm-hmm. that uh, a bonehead and a double skulls is probably all you're ever rolling re-rolls for because uh griff's only not picking up on a one and he's got his inbuilt re-roll thing as well once a game where he
3: can add yeah. a, a, a dice from a dice pool um, so I mean, as long as you get the ball
1: and Griff, you're fine on defense you're just trying to chew out as much of the opposition's team as possible um if you can knock people down with uh with a and get a an advantageous foul on on the cards with uh, yep. a bunch of snottlings uh that's great. You're probably blitzing with uh with griff if you can get a reliable hit
0: yep but uh, then you're making sure that griff pops back behind an ogre You got to or, or a screen of snotlings or a screen of snotlings you should never let griff um be exposed and i think as well uh patience You've got to yes. be patient yeah. cause the, a, a game you'll make the game come to you and and as you said when you're on defense What I've always sort of found with ogres is that, as you say, you're trying to chew the opponent out, but you're also trying to put pressure on them to score, push them to score, push them to score, and so that you can get back on the offensive again. Uh, Because if you're, if if, you
1: can, if if your opponent wants to do the eight-turn grind, you've got your throw mate chance at the end of it, and you've got because Griff's got so much movement, you can set him up quite far back and reach. your opponent um sorry reach the person you're intending to throw pretty easily uh so you're picking up on a two you've got three you've got what is he movement eight so you've movement got movement seven right um, sorry movement seven. so you've got a 10 with a sprint um and you've got a built-in reroll for at least one of those failing with sure sure feet so you can cover quite a bit of ground with Griff. To get the ball to the intended target and if you're if you're playing in defense you're probably having at least i would say if you're playing in defence, probably keeping both of those rerolls for a throw teammate um at the end you've got your three yeah. for your uh, hand off
2: and then uh, if you don't use it for that you've got your uh it for the own head
1: or for the throw or for the landing or if Dodge uh pops at some point during the uh whatever you're doing on your endless amount of two pluses you can do or a go you you're probably keeping your two uh your two rerolls for that
3: yeah. um and and like like with anystu t- on defense you're g- two dice, uh, four players tied up around an ogre for the next turn fair play, I'm moving another ogre there and making it difficult for you yep um, so you know uh,
1: they're going to get hit on a, a snottling most turns you, know, I, I, you mentioned as well, don't leave Griff hanging, Griff's actually quite survivable he's not got to tackle um, he's actually not too bad uh, he can tough it out, because he's strength four, again, you to get two dice on him. He's a blodger, he's got fend as well, so it's not they can follow up and ta- tag him up. He can move away from his opponent on a two. You know, I, I think you, ideally you don't want to get him hit, but sometimes it's quite nice to leave a cheeky option on to make them overcommit. Um, and then you can. True, and that
0: that comes down to a tactical thing, but it's just sometimes it's, it's a risk management thing. If you're on, yes. you know, if you're on that defensive, there's no point exposing him to un you know unwanted attention. Um, you know, when you're on, when it's your drive, when you're on the offensive, he'll he will become exposed at some point. Um. And that's when his skills, as you said, block, fend, dodge, high armour, high strength, that's when he'll, you know, be holding the ball and just sort of fuck off. Yeah. And that's why he's so good, and that's why he's, you know, how many times has his cost been FAQ-erratted so far this this season?
1: I don't think his has. I think he's actually quite reasonably costed. Uh, He's classed as a megastar, which means uh, very often uh, tournaments all yeah. took an additional tax on the use of him in terms of skills. Uh yeah. but well, he uh, is a fucking, fucking megastar well, I would Quite happily uh if if this particular tournament build said or oh, you you needed to trade three primary skills for Griff, I would quite happily lose the three skills on the Snotlings to take him.
2: Yeah.
1: Or the or rather. Um yep. you know like uh you've still got uh four Skilled ogres, two of whom have got block you know it's uh yeah he's a he's a really good player for for any team he's playing for so yeah i think i think it's the that that's the one way to make or or a, a reliable way to make ogres more um reliable and more competitive. I do appreciate you don't have to take grift to play ogres competitively there's other builds out there. Um Carla works um that uh uh Norse Griff, what's his name Ivar Eriksson or whatever it is um he's actually not so bad because um, he's strength four um and he's got guard and tackle and block um he's actually not not that bad a ball, and he's three plus for picking up the ball well he's not a bad ball carrier
3: although you don't have the the, the reliability in ball carrying. Um so yeah it's um it is a it's an all or nothing build though. You're hoping Griff yeah. does
1: what, what Griff does and you're hoping you don't end up I mean although to be fair, even if you got to a point where you were down to four og- a couple of snotlings or knobblers, whatever the fuck they're called and <laughs> Griff, you're probably still quite dangerous. Yeah. You'd have to lose an ogre, I think, to make or two ogres to make this team not completely still playable. But um, that
0: so. that brings us to the point where we have to give them a rating out of ten, though, ten being nailed on to win a tournament, one being absolutely hopeless, you know, not going to do it
3: And. Obviously, we rate them based upon the NAF Championship player pack and what we've got in front of us. So our
0: builds both have Griff with varying flavor of, you know, ogres. But
3: what would you rate them out of 10 to to win the NAF Championships? Four. I would also, I, I would actually go three. Yeah. It's a difficult no, diff- it's a
1: difficult one. I think most most of the players you would be playing I know I know there was one ogre after I don't I don't know what his build was. Um but I think for the for the most part most people are gonna struggle and they're gonna come up against people who are a decent hard counter to, to playing ogres and um I think you're gonna your dice are gonna crap out. At least two or three of the games out of the five, uh, the six, yep. rather. Um, so yeah, I I think
3: four's probably probably about the best you'd get. Yeah. On my side, I think I would I would give it a three. I just think with the, as you said, at least
0: two games, two games as a minimum. Your boneheads and stuff will just the attrition will get you. Yeah. There'll be enough. There'll be enough failure for for you to lose those two games. Your yeah. third game will probably just be average, and you'll either get a draw or a loss based upon your opponent's skill level. And then you know what? You'll have three other good games where you'll get a clear run at it, and you can put some results on the board: two wins and a draw. Um, yes. But I, I think, on balance, a fair run at the NAF Championships would be. Two wins, a draw and three losses, but your losses would be pretty fucking horrific. Yeah. Yeah. And and when I you know, I, I made an exaggeration of they'd be pretty horrific. What I mean to say is that your tiebreaker will suffer because your losses will be so big.
1: Why? Oh, this this is a team where when things go be easily on negative casualties. Um yeah. Fun, funnily enough, they tend to be one of the teams that are, are likely to win most casualties because you, with having like four mighty blow pieces um, and uh, depending on the scoring of casualties with a fouls count as well um, you're likely to be churning out a lot of casualties as well but that being in consideration, your tiebreaker if it's net casualties involved uh, is not going to be so and they're not going to win by big amounts. It'll be 1-0s or 2-1s or something like that. You're not going to mm-hmm. tier 4-0 uh, like some of the uh, tier 1 teams. They're they're, a, they're an, odd, an odd team. Uh, that
3: what I would say is um, if you're considering playing Ogres at some point, learn how to play Lizards. If you're proficient with Lizards, Try out Black Orcs. If you're finding
1: that Black Orcs are no longer challenging, play no. ogres. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean that that doesn't mean to say if you don't think the team are cool and you want to just and you're dead set on playing ogres, you can't become a really good ogre coach and uh, you can't enjoy yourself. Uh, but all of those teams are are linked by the type of the, or the way that you play them um uh with minor um changes as you go further down the shitness scale um but all have got multiple strength pieces and a load of slightly more agile uh
3: um slightly quicker um low strength pieces so, Yeah. Exactly.
1: The styles are are very complementary. If you can, if you, I think if you can play lizards well, you would be able to give ogres a try, no problem. Um,
0: so is this your if you can dodge a range, you can dodge a ball situation?
1: Yes. Yeah. This is literally that dodge <laughs> ball thing. Uh yeah. that, that scene in that, like, yeah, I think I think learning to play lizards, you've got your position right. You go when. Um, you know when things can go wrong with skinks coming off the field, uh,
2: but you obviously don't have the same range of movement um, with nobblers as you do with skinks, so uh, you have to be
1: mindful of that. Um, and everhin has got bonehead that isn't a, a nobbler, so it makes things much more tricky. Yep. But yeah, it's an interesting team. Well, there you go. Coaches. There, there are definitely people out there who. Uh, live and breathe ogres for sure.
0: But well, that's it, rookie coaches. You have now heard myself and Phil give you our ogre opinions. Um, mm. turns out they do sound like they're a lot of good fun now that we've sort of crunched through, you know, four different rosters, given them a good tactics talk. Um, it's really up to you guys now to, you know, go out there get involved in some leagues and events and uh, give us some feedback we we do love hearing feedback um, of
3: any kind even if you hate us we would love to hear it from you
2: yeah uh,
1: we do get some nice feedback now which is good uh, I think uh, we had some good feedback on the fighting fantasy episodes which is nice because yeah. it's a bit of a departure from our standard fair uh, so yeah it's all good
0: cool so, so with, the rookie, with the rookie coaches section being done, I was just going to say, what's um, what's coming up for you in the coming month? Game wise, tournament wise, hobby wise, anything
1: wise? Uh, I've, got in two, um, I've got the remaining two um, matches of uh, the Aberdeen League. Um, got one this Wednesday coming, and one the Wednesday after. So uh, that that'll be the end of the season. After that, and um, we're not back playing properly again till August. Uh, we've got a month where we just play kind of intro games between then. I don't have any more tournaments this month. Uh, and depending on when we when we record next month, the next tournament is uh, Glasgow uh, in Glasgow. Um, so that's coming up fifteenth uh, of July or something like that can't remember it's a saturday in the middle of july yep. um but um yeah that, that's about it for me tournaments wise what am i expecting to do hobby wise i need to finish these mandalorians uh by the end of the month that's uh kind of where i'm heading forward though uh
2: at the latest and then depending on when i get
1: this uh 40k uh model through uh well uh, depend when I start painting that too. Um, I don't know if I'll get round to doing any of my own Depends on other bits and bobs. Um, I do have I do fancy doing some other stuff, but we'll see how it pans out. How about yourself? What have you got on?
0: I am going to put no pressure on myself, hobby wise, again for this coming month. If I can churn out the the British troops that I mentioned earlier in this recording, um, get them slap chopped and maybe. Turn out a couple of tanks. I'll see that as a success. If not, I am not going to lose any sleep over it. Um, my big focus now, though, is the the two tournaments that I'm running in August on the 12th and the 13th. Um, so it's the the Megatron 3000 Bolt Action event on Saturday the 12th, and then there's the the Megatron Mega Bowl on Sunday the 13th. And those two events collectively make the Megatron Cup weekend. Um, so I've, I'm putting a huge amount of my focus on that now uh, to finalise my player numbers and finalise sponsorship and different prize support elements. <laughs> At the moment, uh, the Megatron 3000, Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just call them Bolt Action and Blood Bowl, but the names of the events,
3: I'll, you know, I'll, I'll promote more um, when we talk again next month, but for the Bolt Action event uh,
0: as of this morning sorry, as of 48 hours ago, I was on 44 players, as of this morning I dropped down to 41 players and then about an hour before we recorded podcasts and I'm back up to 45 players um, which is just lunacy absolute lunacy Um, I even got one guy who was on holiday, I think he was actually over in Norway, watching Scotland play Norway in the European Championship qualifier, and he got wind that tickets had become available, and he sent me a deposit, but no other information, so I had to message him, he's like, oh mate, I was in the pub, I was so smashed, I'll talk to you next week when I get back, but I'm coming, Uh, which was just brilliant. And it's just left me with this. this, I haven't tracked how many players I've lost and gained, but truly, really if every player had, that had signed up hadn't dropped out, and everybody else that had signed up afterwards, I could have been looking at
3: a 65-player event. Just, it's just insane. I am just in awe of the Bolt Action
0: community in the. Whenever there's dropouts and I sort of rattle the tr- shake the saber or rattle the tree, then players just crop up and go, "Yep, I'll take a ticket." Um, it's unreal. But at some point, um, at some point, that that well will run out. <laughs> so um, it's been really, really good, though. I'm really, really happy. Uh, but more so because I have to start spending all that money that I've accumulated from them now, you know, to get the sort of final big chunks of prize support in. Um, so refunds are going to stop pretty soon Um, but they all know that it's all built into the player pack from the the Megatron Megaball side of things for Blood Bowl um, we just cracked 30 players recently Um, so it's a bit of a slow burner but I have to understand that uh, this is the first running of the Blood Bowl side of the Megaball so it doesn't have any sort of um, grounding within the community so the community have got to sort of have a look at it and get warmed up to the idea that there's, you know this other event in, in early August. So um look if we if we if we hold steady at thirty players, I'll be satisfied for its first year running. Um if we crack 40, then yep, I'll be ecstatic um about that. But I know that I will be absolutely wiped out having TO'd A bolt action event, and then the very next day, T.O. a blood bowl event, but also having that layer of, um, you know, the the crossover of players because there are players that are playing in both day to compete for the Megatron Cup, and keeping making sure their enthusiasm lasts throughout because it's a two day event for them, and they're playing six games over two days for two different game systems. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited by it. Really happy
1: interesting to see how it uh, goes for you um because it is a tough weekend for it to, to you i think um yep i, I think i think you'll probably I, I think you'll hit near near 40. i think the only thing that's kind of going against you now is the the uh, kelpie cup coming in a couple of weeks later um which might di- divert or dilute a little bit which isn't helpful for either experiment mm-hmm. um but um but yeah it, it's uh I'm sure there'll be some that will be added on. Um Yep. And
0: I, and like, when you say that it was it was never my intention to compete against the Kelpie Cup. I didn't want that to happen. Which is why I've tried to make mine as, er- as as early in August as I possibly yeah. could. But you know, I'm I'm going on with my own vision of what I want to happen for my gaming weekend. Um and through a lot of wargamers, there's a link between Blood Bowl and Bolt Action in terms of the players that play it. At least that's how yeah. I found life. Um, so I've got players coming up from England uh, that play Bolt Action, and they're coming for the weekend because they also play Blood Bowl casually. So they're going to, you know, uh, enjoy the full weekend of gaming. So it's the Mega Ball could introduce Scottish players to other players outside of their community and even maybe outside of the, the sort of mainstream Blood Bowl community because I know that some of the players aren't NAF registered and but they will get NAF registered at our event. Yes. Um you know that's that's one of the benefits that they'll they'll get by coming to the event as well. They'll get to meet a bigger Blood Bowl community that they might not necessarily be um be involved in or aware of. So... You know, there's there's pros and cons for for both both events, and and the Megatron Cup weekend. I've got a five year vision for it, and this is this is year two. And year two was add Blood Bowl, and see if it can all work together. Uh, you know, so year one for Bolt Action was just establish it, and it established with twenty six players, or twenty eight players, I think it was. Year two. As I said, capacity of the venue is forty-six, um, and I'm hoping to get back up to that number. And but, but, we've never dipped below forty, you know, for the past sort of couple of months. Yeah, uh, and so this, this is year one for Blood Bowl. So thirty to forty players for a good Blood Bowl event in Scotland is is a good number.
3: Um, so that's oh yeah, absolutely. I, I
1: think um, the Scottish community has grown quite a quite. A quite a lot in the past couple of years so yeah. I mean it would have been that 20 would have been an, a good number for a Scottish tournament um three or four years ago um thir- 30 plus is easily achievable now and like I say I'm pretty sure you'll you'll hit f- close to 40 on it uh come the end of the uh the next month or so yeah
0: and and it would be remiss of me not to mention and party is doing a good bit of the heavy lifting over on the blood bowl side for this year, um, just as is its first year, and I and I had to make myself realise that I can't do it all by myself. I need to have extra hands. Um, so I've got a, a spare man, um, guy called James Higgins, who's going to help me on Saturday
3: with bowl action,
0: uh, and then on the Sunday. Um, I'll do blood bowl and, and and is going to play so he's he's doing a lot of the heavy work, but he gets the the benefit of he he can be a player on the day um because I know he wants to compete for the Megatron Cup as well, and he is uh you know a good ball action player um he's a he's a better blood bowl player than a bowl action player, so hopefully he can make up his points um on the sunday any that he, that he loses out on the saturday
1: yeah that, that's good i think um I think you've got a good range of people and like you said, uh, getting people who aren't or haven't played in uh, Scottish tournaments playing in Scottish tournaments is great, you know, like uh, yeah. people from out- outside of, of Scotland. Uh, I know
2: Glasgow's um, got a couple of folk coming up from uh, the Water Bowl league, um, mm-hmm.
1: Alex Wormall and um, uh, Doug Lowe, I think, are, are both coming. Uh, yeah. um so like if you can get some others
2: who are established people uh, playing
1: in, in tournaments, that, that's even better. You know, It uh, gives us a bit more variety to who's, being, who's playing um, rather than the same old, same old.
0: Precisely, it gives variety for the Scottish community, but it also introduces other people to the Scottish Blood Bowl so. community and, and what it has to offer. And the quality... Um, yes. The quality of the player that's on offer is you know, you don't. It's not like you would be travelling to a backwater, you know, little town. There's um, there's tough, credible opponents. I mean, there's you know, previous staff championship winners here now. Um, you know, UK podium UK fo- runner ups. Yeah, UK TC podium folks that stood that, that stood on the podium. Uh, most touchdowns from the twenty nineteen Dornburn World Cup, you know, that player yep. lives in, in Scotland as well. There's um, you know, there's there are good good opponents um yeah. to be had up here. So so yeah, that's that's that is one of the other goals of the Megatron Cup weekend. Um and then for my year three, I'm hoping to attract international players to the bolt action side of things and then con them into staying for Blood Bowl. Um so yeah that's, yeah, that's that's me for the next month mate, and that's that's what I'll be talking about quite a lot in our next episode.
1: And of course, uh, next year now we've got our first um, Scottish uh, Open uh, on Blood Yeah,
0: um, I mean on... that was that was great work by Chris Rafferty to, to make that all happen yes. over a number of years.
1: Yeah, Chris Chris is uh, and and the, the folk who's who's got uh, helping out uh, have done a significant amount of work uh getting mulligans
2: kind of cemented in in the Scottish calendar but then also pushing it so
1: that more people uh, can bump it up over the requirement, which means it's a two day event uh next year in March. I can't remember the dates. Yep. Uh, but um that'll be great and hopefully we can encourage more English players to get off across the border and um come and play um because yeah. like you said we've
2: got the we've got the pedigree um they can't sleep
1: on the scottish blood bowl for much longer
3: no not at all
1: i've got, I've got blood bowl as well uh in october in case just in case, <laughs> just in case <laughs> i start to dip below uh I, I, at present it's sold out and there's Five or six people on the waiting list, but yeah um twenty eighth of october um, I'll be back the next couple of months too uh, as i start but,
0: but that that that's a great example, phil of um you know granite ball in Aberdeen, it's an established event yes, um because I know when you put t- t- ticket sales up they went at speed you know established yeah. event, and players no one trust the brand, so um.
1: It went uh, it sold out within two weeks. Um yeah. and it was uh, that uh, that was like the last two or three tickets after the first couple of days, you know, like there was there was very um there was very little um uh, I was surprised, you know. I mean I know I know people have come up here and had a, a good good tournament in the past and stuff like that. And yeah. I was expecting to hit about the thirty sort of mark because Aberdeen is a bit out of the way but Sell out so quickly was was great and um, massively appreciative appreciative of everybody who bought a ticket so far. Um, I I'm just a bit sad I can't uh, extend the uh, the numbers out anymore. It was after about this time that Al and I realised that uh, we were having issues with, um, like weather all the way through the recording. So you may notice a couple of dropouts here and there. But, um, yeah, we're pretty much at the end of the episode. So, yeah, that's around it for this time. Um, we'll catch you on the next episode in about a month's time. All right. Cheers, folks. <laughs>